Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this bonus episode, you'll hear from Graham Cluley, award-winning security blogger, researcher, and public speaker, not to mention the host of Smashing Security. Today we'll discuss malware developers attempt to spread something more infectious than laughter, and I smell a rat, spam redirects to deliver malware. Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to our special episode of Breaking Badness, recorded on November 14th, 2019. With us today is award-winning security blogger, researcher, and public speaker, not to mention the host of Smashing Security, do it for the gram, clearly. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I didn't miss, I know there are like 20,000 other things I could include in that bio. This, everyone just check out everything Graham has ever done. He's incredible. What a horrendous thing. And the truth is, the internet never forgets, does it? So anything we might have done in the past, which was disastrous or embarrassing, is still there for our great-grandchildren to dig up. Isn't uh, that wonderful? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure it is. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And with us also is co-host Emily, architect of damnation hacker. Um, We're going to come back to that. And I'm your co-host, Kelsey. I'm really worried about Emily LaBelle. Emily, where did that... Where did that come from? Are you it's, okay? I'm, oh, I'm better than okay. This is a very Seattle story, actually. So as our listeners may know, Kelsey and I are in Seattle. I was out for a run on Sunday, and a um, let's just say a man who was impaired like jumped in front of me on the running trail and was yelling at me and pointed at me angrily and said, you are the architect of damnation, which I took as a compliment. I think that's about the highest honor I've ever been awarded. So I figured that was my title from now on. So I mean, you're an architect. I, Did you I, go to school for that? I mean, Is that a like master degree? Dr. Damnation. Doctor, ooh, that's Dr. Damnation to you. <laughs> Next time someone yells that at you, which is sort of just inevitable at this point, you should just use that. I will. Mr. Doctor Professor Damnation to you. It's, well, it's wait, rough. Wait to start the podcast on a downbeat. <laughs> it can only go up from here. We'd like to set the bar at sad. <laughs> but I promise we're going to have a great time. This feels like a crossover episode. Emily and I love what you and Carol do on your podcast. Definitely. So we're hoping to have a good time and oh, a much lighter note, I'm sure. <laughs> that's very kind of you. Well, your podcast is a lot of fun as well. So it, it's great to have all these sort of... You know, there's an awful lot of security podcasts out there which take themselves terribly seriously. And um, I don't think we can take life too seriously, otherwise it would be awfully depressing. So we just have to find something to laugh about occasionally, whilst also impairing useful information at the same time. Yeah, that's absolutely the goal. And yeah, there's just, there's so much to talk about and why not have fun doing it? Perfect. So um, we're going to jump into a segment typically on the show, as Graham knows, and Emily and myself and and Tarek, who's um, also typically a co-host. We like to play two truths and a lie here, and we usually, um, instead of talking and divulging personal information, we usually talk about um, three articles, two of which are not legitimate. Or one, excuse me, one is not legitimate and two are, but we're actually going to turn two truths and a lie on its head once again and make it just normal two truths <laughs> and a lie so we can learn more and socially engineer Graham Cluley. That's that's actually that's what we're trying here. to do. Yeah. yeah, so just trying to divulge more of your personal information on the internet. Um, oh, wait, did I say that out loud? Oh, shoot. <laughs> so we're going to start off. This is how it's going to go. Graham is going to reveal three statements. And then at the very end of the episode, after we know Graham a lot better, because a lot happens in a podcast episode, we'll be close friends by the end of this, no question. Emily and I will then guess which one is in fact a lie, and then Graham will tell us a little bit about the truths. So that's what we're going to (laughs) do. We're going to have some fun. We're going to learn more about Graham. (laughs) So Graham, let's start off. What are these? What are these two truths and a lie? Well, I'm not going to do them in the order of two truths and a lie, or am I? (laughs) So, so don't think you were going to fool me that way. Okay, maybe maybe I won't. I'm going to shuffle them around in my head right now. Okay, number one. uh, Like any true Englishman, I love nothing more than to have a bath. Ideally, it should be accompanied by an orange bobbin around me and a hot cup of tea. That is truth, or is it a lie? Oh, Number one. specific. Right. Number two. It. Number two. At school, I invented a mechanism for pulling up the zip of my trousers automatically. 
Okay. And number three, again at school, I kidnapped my school's Christmas tree and I held it ransom. I want all of these to be true. I know. <laughs> I want all of them to be lies. <laughs> <laughs> these are fantastic. Wow. These are just going to be running in the back of my mind this yeah. entire podcast. The, the good news mm. is none of them will give you enough information to break into my Yahoo account. That's so I, I, <laughs> no mother's made a name, darn. Exactly, yes. <laughs> name of my pet chihuahua. None of that. <laughs> That'd be a really long custom answer, you know, when they allow you to throw the custom questions in there. Yeah. That'd be great. Like have an entire story. Max out the characters. Okay, I love it. Those are all fantastic. I'm so excited to figure out which ones are true because I'll be happy no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, perfect. So we're going to pop through two articles, and I promise we'll get back to Graham's two truths and a lie, or a, a truth, a lie, a truth, or a lie, truth, truth. <laughs> we will find out. <laughs> but our first article is malware developers attempt to spread something more infectious than laughter. Mm. So uh, while investigating a recent mal spam campaign, the folks at Cisco Talus noticed that the payload was named Trump.exe. Um, noticing the politically themed name, Talos began researching other malicious programs that contained political references or themes and found just hundreds of examples. So we we have a lot to unpack here. <laughs> There's been a lot of um, really bad Photoshop that I've seen. I would call it excellent <laughs> Photoshop. <laughs> it makes me feel better about this. I, we have to tell this story. So we recently um, had headshots across the company and so you know photographers are great right they're trying to get you to laugh and get that natural smile and so one thing they would say is you know wink which everybody is an awkward winker is what they told me maybe I'm just a really bad winker (laughs) who knows but um, James who's actually from across the pond was saying he never knows what to do with his hands so when they delivered all of the images to the entire company which is a terrifying Terrifying. idea because again photoshop um, yeah and so the person had photoshopped a cat in James' arms and really bad hands to make it look like he was petting the cat, which is a conversation apparently they had. So It that, was direct from the photographer that way, though. Yeah. Was it, it a bit like Blofeld in the James Bond movies? Was it a white cat? Did they also it was an name orange tabby. It was a oh, tabby. Yes. <laughs> but, um, they had to put the American spin on it. You yeah. know? They're like, oh, it's a tabby cat. <laughs> But it was a wonderful surprise. If he's just not using that as his LinkedIn photo now, he is just missing an opportunity. <laughs> I think if there was an ever uh, yeah, reason to hack into someone's LinkedIn account, it's to change their LinkedIn profile <laughs> picture to that one right there. <laughs> anyway, Photoshop. So I digress. So before we get into the, the nuts and bolts here, Ed, you know, according to Cisco, there was a wide array of threats and campaigns, whether it was the initial mouse spam, fake ransomware, screen lockers, um, rats, cryptors, packers, process injectors, malware loaders, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd love to start with uh, your perspective, Emily, on the execution of these campaigns. For starters, you know, let's just look at the mouse spam just to just to sort of knock them off. So can you break down the types of activities that you were seeing in this campaign? Yeah, so this one was interesting because the political nature of the campaign itself wasn't really highlighted in the initial phishing phase at all. So the email was purporting to be from Visa, actually, and it was talking about cybersecurity, um, which I suppose is kind of ironic. I'm not sure, actually, if that's the right use of that word or if that's more of an Alanis Morissette oh, use. Oh, well done. But um, the attachment in the email was called security bank fraud, and basically the email was trying to trick users into clicking on it to read tips on how to avoid the very type of attack that the email was. So that's fun. Um, (laughs) If the user opened the document, uh, the RTF file would retrieve a malicious executable, which was called, as Kelsey mentioned, trump.exe. From there, it looks like the malware that is downloaded is the um, cobbent slash cool pants. Cool pants. Cool whip. Cool whip. Or similar variant. Um, which is used by Cobalt Game, which is just a notorious cybercrime group. So this one was kind of interesting because it was actually the least political one in the Talos blog post, which, as you mentioned, was the one that inspired the the whole investigation, I suppose, to find more political ones. But only the executable was called Trump, and the, it didn't have any uh, photos of of Trump or anyone or any other political themes. But it's still interesting that the the um, the Cobalt Gang would choose to name their executable after after Trump, especially when the phishing email itself was related to financial fraud and not politics. It, so. is, it is weird, isn't it? Do you think maybe 
if you are a cyber criminal who's sort of pumping these out on the conveyor belt all the time, <laughs> occasionally you just get a little bit bored and you think, oh, what, what, what should I call it? Because they're not going to, people aren't going to see the executable name normally or anything like right. that or pay any attention to it. Maybe they just had CNN on in the background or Maybe. something and thought, well, let's call it Trump. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a horrible piece of code. <laughs> let's call it Trump. <laughs> you know, so, I don't know, depending on their p- political persuasions. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, just got to get creative. Got to keep things fresh at work, you know? And this malware, I think that it had had other executable names that were always just like one word. So I could see them like, you know, a new variant is released. They're desperately trying to figure out what to call this one. And they're like, oh, Trump. You know, it just happens. And Trump, even if you disassociate it with the Trump family and the Trump hood, it is quite a funny word. It is. I don't know about, I mean, in a... I don't know about in America, but in England, Trump means something um, rather lavatorial, rather like Putin also means something. And oh, right. As, and French. As for us having a prime minister called Johnson, uh, the, the trio really go they're sort of all in the same category. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because in just in normal speak here, you could say you, it was trumped. Yeah, right? it just sort means that like over expressing hierarchy in a sense. Yeah. Yes, yes, you can it. have that. But there's, a, there's something else as well. I'm anyway. not sure that other colloquialism will is be here. That's another one I'll have to Google yeah. in incognito. Yes, I will be doing that. Maybe at a local library. Step away from the work network for a minute. The local library. The local, you know, you got to give the local library some props. They need some help. Get a yes. library and some crime. color. Apparently, if you're <laughs> going to go there and Google weird things, <laughs> trying to create some job security for their uh, security folks. That's all. That's all. Oh boy. Okay. So Emily, for these additional, you know, various additional campaigns, they also highlighted that there are some technical components. So I'd love to just touch on what stood out to you because there's so much that you could rifle through there. Yeah, I think the most interesting theme across these campaigns was actually the lack of advanced technical components involved. So the second category that Talos goes into in detail is actually, quote, fake ransomware and screen lockers. So I think the fact that there were so many variants of fake ransomware that it deserved its own category is pretty telling. The um, Talos shows screenshots from a few variants that play on Trump or Putin themes, and all of them look dated as heck. They look like something straight out of, like, 2003. Um, Sick burn. Yeah. Cyber criminals, get on that. But um, yeah, even better, on top of the fact that they look like they're from my middle school days, they just plain don't work. They, one of them, for example, (laughs) claims to to encrypt all of your files like, you know, a traditional ransomware. But as Talos notes, um, it doesn't even encrypt anything at all. The way that it's written, it has like um, a major error that prevents it from actually encrypting anything at all. So that's um, a fun little tidbit. <laughs> and another one, it simply removes the icons, taskbar, task manager, and displays the application window in full screen. So it's like it's like a, like an a office prank, how you would like you know <laughs> cover someone's entire screen with something and make them think it was broken or something. So these are not exactly APT level threats, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, that being said, a couple of the campaigns mentioned in the article actually did drop real malware, such as Coney Rat and Poison Ivy. Um, however, in these cases, I think it's important to note that the malware itself isn't what's political. Um, it's more that the decoy file, mm-hmm. uh, either an image of Putin in one case or a Word doc or Excel doc that had political themes, um, are what is used in the phishing campaign. So all in all, none of these politically motivated campaigns struck me as particularly advanced. However, I think it is worth it to note that um, there are advanced groups that have used political themes in the past that weren't particularly called out by Talos in this blog post, which I think is because they're older. So for example, um, I know that uh, APT groups known to be associated with the Russian government have used political themes in their phishing campaigns before, such as in 2016, they used a Harvard email address and sent an email attachment that was titled, Why American Elections Are Flawed, and that's how they delivered their their, um, malware. So this is not new by any stretch of the imagination. No, it definitely isn't. And uh, certainly we've seen hackers and cyber criminals exploit breaking news stories or commenting on political, you know, anything really which will encourage people to click on an attachment or click on a link. Um, it, it really is an old trick. But it, the reason why they're still doing it is it works. I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably a lot older than you, but I remember in the late 1980s, even and early 1990s, there was malware which was being pretty rude about Margaret Thatcher and 
South Africa's PK Bota, both of whom mm-hmm. you might have thought deserved being read about. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, it, it, it really does stretch back that far. So I also wonder, you know, reading some of these things, you, you were saying that some of the malware didn't appear to be terribly well written. I wonder whether this there's a component of this which may simply just be kids who are playing around and maybe are jumping on the political bandwagon. And they may be bringing in some code from other places or they may be thinking, oh, here's a cool piece of malware, but the the lure which I will use in order to get people to click might be a little bit juvenile. But regardless of whether it is a state-sponsored cyber criminal or a 13-year-old in his back bedroom, you know, eating too much pizza, doesn't really make any difference. You still don't want their malicious code running on your computer, infecting it, maybe causing problems, causing it to crash, potentially opening up remote backdoors and to access your data. You, st- you still don't want this stuff, even if it is somewhat juvenile. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Yeah, it sounds... It's kind of funny. What's coming to my head when we're talking about this is like is... Is bad ransomware just like the gateway drug to cybercrime? <laughs> just going back to my dare days, man. Oh, man. They had some, they had some funny stuff I in there. I won't do drugs. Did you have to sing that? No, that's... What? Good. <laughs> oh, okay, well, <laughs> cut that out then. You didn't have to come up. Okay. <laughs> we'll come back to that. We'll take that offline, Emily, I'm concerned. My gateway drug, of course, was kidnapping Christmas trees. Oh, or was it? Or was it? Or was it? Oh, my gosh. Well, and then, Graham, I know that you and Carol and John on your episode that came out here on Wednesday the 13th were actually talking a little bit about the same topic with the DDoS attack that happened with the Labor Party. And yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. So uh, in the UK at the moment, we're having a very, very calm and understated <laughs> general election, which is going on. The campaign has started. Unlike in America, where it lasts about 18 months, um, here in the UK, we, we just have it for about five weeks or so. Uh, but oh but the, uh, the current opposition, the Labour Party, uh, their website went down. They were attacked by a denial of service attack and they came out saying, oh, a very sophisticated attack and all the rest of it. And, you know, this, this is very concerning that this should have happened looks like it was just a bulk standard denial of service attack rather than anything more serious than that but it it did dominate the headlines for a few days yeah i think you mentioned too that um the fact that it was reported a bunch of folks sort of jumped on the dos bandwagon oh no yeah 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 so after all the headlines then i think all these other script kiddies thought oh let's have a go at the labor party and and launch attacks against them as well so uh which which is strange you would normally expect the teenagers to have a go actually at the uh more pro-brexit parties the the kids tend to be more in favor of europe so maybe labor was the wrong uh target in that case but hey maybe they just haven't thought it through they're equal opportunity DDoSers. There right. you go. Exactly. We're all being fair here. <laughs> Unbiased DDoSing and DOSing. Very fun. Well, Graham, I know you always have a great human angle. I love that about your podcast where you're talking about, you know, what the actual impact is from a psychological standpoint to some extent. And you already talked a little bit about the consequences of even if this is not a sophisticated or advanced mm. campaign, that there's there's still real life consequences to having this malicious code and payload dropped on your machine or on someone's network. So I just like to have a general conversation around getting into the mind of the attacker and um, and just what this brought up for you when you were reading through this article, um, just well, pick your brain. Uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think it, it was interesting. I certainly picked up on this this thought that maybe this wasn't the more professional kind of cybercrime. Most professional cybercrime these days, of course, is all about the money. Mm-hmm. It's all about either grabbing your credit card information or grabbing your passwords in order to access accounts where they can get payment card information or finding some sort of data which they might be able to monetize onto the criminal underground. And that that clearly is the majority of what's going on out there. But there is also this underbelly activity, maybe sometimes of younger kids who haven't quite got themselves involved into a criminal network at this point, who may simply be doing it for the kicks. And they might be just wondering how many computers can they access? What can they control? What might they be able to find on these computers? Are there any pictures of people without any clothes on? Gathering that kind of data and just showing off. I think some people actually collect data through breaches, rather like they might have collected butterflies if they were born in the Victorian era. You know, they want to just say, oh, yes, I've got nine million records or I've Mm -hmm. grabbed this many passwords. They don't necessarily know what to do with them. 
And in this particular case, as we've already said, this, this, these hacks don't necessarily have to have originated from the People's Liberation Army or from mm-hmm. the Kremlin. It, it could just be ardent followers of one side of the political divide. It could just be kids. It could just be seeing if we can make some money and whether these are attractive lures to get people to click onto uh, a link. Um, and it could also be people just trying to point uh, investigators in the wrong direction. I mean, one of the pieces of malware we saw here displayed an animated picture of Vladimir Putin winking at you um, as as a decoy while it did its naughtiness behind the scenes. You know, that doesn't mean that the malware was written or originated in Russia. Right. It could be someone who simply wants to send you off in the in the wrong direction. But all of this activity, wherever it originated from, does for the regular person in the street make them more wary of using computers. And that, that I think, is the real shame because the internet is a great enabler. People, you should use the internet more to communicate with each other, to keep in touch with their family, for goodness sake, uh, who may be far away. And anything which makes the internet more of a crazy wild west has to be bad news for business and for us all as social creatures as well. Excellent point. Yeah. Absolutely. It's sort of the the dark shadow of the internet. And we talk about that a lot on the podcast, too, when we have folks on from an info security. Um, Any perspective, I think oftentimes we talk a lot about how things were built without security in mind, like the internet infrastructure itself was not built with that mentality that people are going to misuse this, right? Or, you know, little things like on Venmo, the payment system, where it's sharing socially, automatically, everything is public. Um, And you're talking about stalkerware and all these other Unfortunate again, dark shadows of the internet. But you're absolutely right. Just um, well, the negative. Well, think how much. I mean, I'm probably a boomer compared to you millennials. But you know, I think how much all of us are still using email. Right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we use email hundreds of times a day. If email were invented now, no one would go near it. Yeah. Everyone would point. say, "Oh, that's so insecure." What well, you're not sending your messages encrypted. And yet we all somehow accept it because email and a lot of these internet standards, which we rely upon, were invented by academics 40, 50 years ago when the only people on the internet were people who wore socks and sandals and had long beards (laughs) and were academics. And they never thought the great unwashed public would ever use these things. And so they trusted each other because they they weren't bad guys and they didn't imagine any bad guys ever would be on. But we then adopted it all. So it, it is extraordinary how much of the internet continues to be based upon things which are fundamentally quite insecure. Right. But I like that perspective, though. I think that's good to remember of like people are coming from sort of an innocent place of being like, what what could go wrong? Yeah. We can connect with each other. And that's kind of a good a good reminder about the, the quality of humanity. Yes. Until humanity gets and, a hold of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. What could Til possibly the, go wrong until you get bitten in the bottom? Yes, exactly. Then the Wonderful. architects of damnation come uh, along and here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And there's a lot. We already talked about this a little bit, but there's a lot happening from a political perspective in the U.S. and the U.K., Anywhere, Is really. There? <laughs> <laughs> they should talk about that on the news. That sounds interesting. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And so I'm curious, do you have any advice on how to remain vigilant, especially when it's such an emotional thing, right, politics? And so how can users or I mean, it's really it starts with the user, right? And that will funnel into a company. But how can people stay vigilant and what should people be looking out for? So I I think the first thing, importantly, is obviously to listen to the Breaking Badness podcast. That's the most important thing which everyone has to do, because you want to be aware of what's going on out there and what the tricks are that the cyber criminals are using. Because if you're going to have any chance whatsoever of avoiding being their next victim, you need to know what bad guys do. Okay, maybe not everyone has to listen to security podcasts, but <laughs> if someone in yeah. your organisation does and then spreads the word and raises awareness, and if you have some understanding of social... Inter- I mean, a lot of people say to me all the time, well, whoa, what's what's new? What What's the brand new way of hacking people? And it's like, well, we could talk about those. And some, sometimes those are things to get excited about. But the majority of what we see are fairly traditional uh, things that we've seen before because they work. They just keep on mm-hmm, being done. So right. one of the things criminals will do is they use social engineering to press your hot buttons 
and there's not much you know less likely to get someone's goat up at the moment than to uh send them something political whether it could be mocking a politician they can't stand or claiming to be good news about one that they love and you know people are going to get that clicky little mouse finger so be aware that people will use traps like that to try and get you to take an action which may be unwise um now, there are security tools you can obviously put in place to add a safety net for yourself. Uh, one of the ones I commonly recommend is a password manager, because one of the most common types of attack we see will be some kind of phishing attack, and a password manager can actually pr- prevent you or w- will not uh, offer to enter your password on a website if it doesn't determine it is the real website that it claims to be. So that's a good additional level of protection. Obviously, you should keep yourself patched, run antivirus software and keep that up to date as well, raising awareness. And then as an IT department, you probably want something like a cricket bat to wallop someone around the head when occasionally (laughs) they make a human mistake and say, oi, don't do that again. But, you know, specifically (laughs) with this particular attack, right, which is all around politics and the politicians and those characters we either love to hate or, you know, love and hate, um, Go to trusted sources for your news rather than your inbox or your social media feed. And if you're not sure in the current climate whether you can trust the TV news or, uh, you know, an outlet, maybe try reading some international news sites instead, right? So if you're American, you might want to check the BBC News website to see what's going on. Because here in the UK, we're less likely to have an axe to grind Mm-hmm. in our media yeah. uh, websites against one of your politicians because it's not like they are threatening to close down the BBC or something like that. So you may be able to get a more impartial view as to what's going on. So go to websites which are genuine. Don't just click on any old link because you could be going down an unpleasant rabbit hole. Very well said and fantastic advice. Yes, it's a difficult climate out there, right? People aren't feeling this, which... This is where I think, this is my stance on where these particular threat actors or skids or hooligans came from, which is like, you know, you can't talk about politics with your family. You can't talk about it at work. So just drop some malicious payloads. That's a way to have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can't talk to your parents anymore because you're disagreeing with them about politics. So just infect them with a nice piece of malware (laughs) of a dancing Hillary Clinton on the screen. Honestly, the dancing Hillary was my favorite (laughs) one, only because the like buttons on the left were labeled like funky moves or whatever. (laughs) I'm just so glad they, they use that terminology like funky Hillary moves or something. I, I do remember from years ago, there was a piece of malware which basically emulated some kind of like asteroids game on your computer. And there were people who got infected by it and didn't clean up the infection because the game was so much fun. Oh and maybe that's what that Hillary Clinton dancing thing was about as well. Oh my, wow. That's amazing. I'm going to have smart. to look that up. Yeah, Make people that's not want to get rid of your malware. And in the background, it's yeah. like stealing all your information while you're playing like I don't know, yeah. pinball or something. It's, yeah, it's more fun than doing spreadsheets in Microsoft <laughs> Excel, isn't it? No. I love a good spreadsheet, though, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Once again, concerned about you. We'll come back to that. <laughs> so typically, after we wrap up a discussion around an article, we like to jump into what we like to call the hoodie rating. So how many, essentially, you know, as hoodie is the universal icon for a hacker <laughs> or a defender of a network. I'm wearing one right now, actually. My Breaking Badness hoodie, which I'll be sending one to you, Graham, across the pond there. <laughs> um, so you can have a, a nice warmish hoodie as well. Um, (laughs) Yes, my pleasure. Um, So yeah, it's on a a scale really of zero to 10, but you can get creative too. Like you could do like a halter top hoodie if you want to go halvesies or, you know, take out the zipper, just, you know, have fun with it. So a a, a nice cardigan, (laughs) you know, you can tie it around your, um, your shoulders there. It's depending on what kind of weather you might want a different type of hoodie. Um, But yeah, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being, you know, maybe a, just a good laugh, a dinner conversation, unless it's about politics, I guess. And um, 10 being something is on fire. Stop. Put your headphones down and run. <laughs> um, so, Graham, I'm going to start with you. What would you rate this uh, this malicious payload with Hillary dancing? <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I, I'm afraid I can't zip this hoodie up too high, I think. It, it's not that terribly serious. I, I mean, I think there's some important lessons to learn from this, but I couldn't, in all honesty, give it higher than a two. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And what do you think about that, Emily? What would you rate it at? Yeah, actually, I was thinking it too as well because um, I'm trying to average it out because there's there's more than one Mm. little story in this article. And so there are some that I would call a zero, but there's a couple that do deliver actual, you know, poison ivy rat or whatever, which is, um, you know, pretty serious thing to be concerned about. So if I average it all together, I think it's um, a two in that it's something to at least have, you know, knowledge of, but not something necessarily to be overly worried about. And it's probably important, uh, we, we were talking about raising awareness, and you can use examples like this because it makes for a more fun presentation in your office or something. But it's probably important to emphasise to people that when you get infected by a piece of malware, it isn't necessarily going to do something funky on your screen. Quite often, ransomware it will, right? Because it yeah. has to announce that it's infected you. But quite often, it will be silent and insidious. And mm. by the time it infects you, you know, you won't know that you've got a problem until it's far too late. I think there should be a thriller movie called Silent and Insidious. Yeah, that's a great, like, <laughs> That was wonderful. Wow, I have goosebumps. <laughs> Somebody take that and run. Is that your nickname <laughs> next week, Kelsey? Yes. Silent, though. That We all know that's inaccurate. Yeah. I'm way too loud to be silent. Nobody has ever described me as silent. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, let's move on here to the next article, which is I smell a rat spam redirects to deliver malware. Um, So a clever spam campaign is underway that pretends to be WebEx meeting invites and uses a Cisco open redirect that pushes a remote access Trojan or rat to the recipient. So using open redirects adds legitimacy to those spam URLs and increases the chance that the victims will actually click on those. So just in case People needed another reason to dislike conference call platforms. We found one for you. Um, and so we're just going to jump into this one. And Graham, can you can you break down what happened here with this cheeky redirect and just overall with this campaign? And funnily enough, we're currently speaking through a web conferencing system, aren't we? In fact, this is the second one which we've attempted to use yeah. in the recording of this podcast. It's true. The first one failed. So, <laughs> so we, we, we know the us. pain all too well as remote podcasters. Well, it's true. Uh, you know, this is this is quite convincing, I think, for many people. You, you get an email. And it's not necessarily an unexpected email because it's inviting you to a WebEx meeting. It may be constructed in such a way that it actually looks as though it comes from someone who you know or you interact with, um, particularly if you're being targeted in this particular attack. But maybe you're unsure, so you hover your mouse over the link and it does indeed point to a WebEx webpage. And you think, well, that's all right then. And you click mm-hmm. on it. But, you know, it, the truth is that when you click on it, it takes you to somewhere else via the WebEx page. So as soon as you click on it, you go to WebEx and WebEx then points you off to Lord knows where on the internet, where you might be taken to a phishing page, or you might be taken to a piece of malware, which then installs itself on your computer. Who knows what it's going to do? And all because WebEx has left open this open redirect on its site. And that's something which is really trivial for cyber criminals to take advantage of and to make their attack look that bit more convincing. I almost wonder, do we need like a Google Maps lady voice when you're ever you're just navigating the internet that's like, take a left, please make a U-turn whenever you have those redirects pop up? It's. Do you ever notice that that voice gets awfully patronizing when you've missed a turn? It feels it does, like they want yeah. you to know. I feel like it gets a little louder too. It's like... Yeah. Turn left ahead. U-turn at the next available U-turn. <laughs> you shouldn't knock SatNav, though, because SatNav is a, is a marriage saver. I mean, oh, I remember the days God. before SatNav when either myself or my partner would get the blame when we got lost, right? Whereas now we can both point all of our hatred towards the SatNav between us. The scapegoat. Someone thing. should tell my husband that because he thinks it's real fun to try and navigate without without it, despite the fact that it's everywhere now. and he Well, he's just a pervert. I mean, what's he like? I mean, what a, what, a, what a thing to do. He will just drive around and he'll be like, missing turns. I'm like, just just use the GPS, Matthew. Use the GPS. You need to dump him. No, he's very bad. He's, he's rubbish. Terrible. Goodbye, Mr. Hacker. <laughs> oh my gosh. There was, we, so we're really lucky here. We get to do yoga a few times a week for free and 
um, for, for, you know, free for us, not for <laughs> someone else. Um, the best kind of free. But um, the the yoga instructor was telling us he loves to go back to like you know the industrial time and just give us little tidbits about health. And he was talking about how. Um, they found on average, I don't know where they got these these statistics, I have to dig in a bit more with Travis, but um, that fo- men specifically were walking on average 10 miles a day and women were walking six miles a day. Mm-hmm. And somebody asked where that discrepancy came from and I said, the men didn't ask for directions. This it's the only thing <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Walked four miles out of the way before they realized, oh crap. Yeah. Oh man. Anywho, <laughs> now that I've sidetracked us with a navigation app, um, so Emily, when you were digging into this, um, did anything surprise you or anything that you want to bubble up? Graham covered that so wonderfully, but if he there's did. anything else that you wanted to to support his wonderful statements with. Yeah, I think that um, the threat actor in this case did a really good job of making this really look like a WebEx, a legitimate WebEx um, invite and the whole the whole process really looked really legitimate so the email itself it actually did look like a normal webex meeting invite it's not hard really to copy those you know everyone's got a million of them in their inbox and so they just copied it and then um the real webex the way it works when you click on it it actually does kind of go to a redirect page and then download an executable. Everyone who's used WebEx knows that. And this works in exactly the same way. The executable was called WebEx.exe. The only difference here is that it didn't download WebEx. It downloaded malware. And so I think that is really, um, really interesting to note that this wasn't like they they didn't just rely on the, the redirect as a as the only thing to trick people. They really went, you know, they went in 100%. Above and beyond. Mm. Exactly. And they, to it looked 100% like a real WebEx invite. So I actually, like, I've worked in security for a few years. I have worked with phishing emails exclusively for a time, and I potentially would have fallen for this one. It was a really good fish. So Absolutely. Mm. And it's interesting, too, because um, there are certain vendors. Google was another one that came up. Um, where you have these preset redirects where you just add basically a UTM mm-hmm. at the end. And so it's really difficult to differentiate and and to notice whether or not it's legitimate. It's yeah. really Especially hard to spot. With, I mean, I, I think I've seen some legitimate use cases for the Google one in the past, but I cannot imagine why Cisco feels a need for this to be open. I, I honestly yeah. can't think of a legitimate use case. So I think the the first thing that they should do after hearing about this is just kind of change that and get rid of that open redirect because I I really don't think that there's, even if there is some one small use case that they had used it for, I think that this is a big enough threat that it probably um, trumps that use case, <laughs> if you will, to go back to that use of that word. And they need to figure out a different way for whatever legitimate use case they had that open for. Yeah, and Graham, I'd like to, again, pick your brain. And like Emily mentioned, the way that they built this phishing campaign and the executable bit just to to completely mimic what would be a normal and legitimate use of a WebEx um, application there. What are things that you can actually do to keep an eye out for? And how how the heck, as users and organizations, can we stay ahead of this type of stuff? Well, as an organization, I suppose you could block the specific URL which begins the uh, open redirect and thus prevent uh, your users using that open redirect for any other purpose or being tricked into clicking onto it. Uh, so that that would be avoided. But I think the real question needs to, uh, as we just heard from Emily, go the other way around. You know, what should companies do to prevent having these open redirects on the site? I think there are some legitimate purposes, but what they've done is they've left theirs completely wide open. And I would hope that the likes of WebEx, for instance, uh, would change that mm-hmm. and either shut it down entirely or have a whitelist of allowed domains, which they say, yes, you can link to this particular one. And so this is the way in which it can be used. But, you know, you can't go to any Tom, Dick and Harry website. You can't have a free-for-all of people who are able to exploit this open redirect in order to uh, cause problems. The other thing is, of course, if they are trying to encourage you to download software from the site, um, hopefully in many organisations these days, they're not allowing their users to uh, freely install their own apps onto 
their computers, uh, but rather it's something which is actually done by the IT team who hopefully are actually sourcing them properly from the original vendor rather than allowing their users just to download any old software from any old website which claims to be an Adobe Flash Update or a WebEx Mm. client or or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And a great point by you and Emily about just putting that back on the company. I think that's a whole tangential conversation that could be had for hours of Mm -hmm. where does that responsibility lie? Is it on the consumer? Is it on the user? Is it on the company? Is it legislation? There's just so many different directions where it's it's a tough question to answer with how the internet is so interconnected. And um, right now, it's the only thing that seems to be happening is the the consequences on the user, right. essentially, and to some degree-ish on the organization. So it'll be interesting um, to see how that plays out here over time. And hopefully we, f- we figured that out. <laughs> but hey, if it's if it means that less people end up on conference calls, that has to be I good mean, for the world, doesn't true. it? We have to connect. We have to talk. Be yeah, wonderful. Face to face. Yeah, exactly. Let's do it for real. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen, there's a wonderful YouTube video called A Conference Call in Real Life, where they physically show <laughs> what yes, that would I be have. like. So good. It cracks me up every time. Oh, it's so real. Yeah. So relatable. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's jump into those hoodie ratings then. And Emily, I'll start with you. What would you rank this at hoodie wise? I'm going to rank this um, a little higher than the first article. I think the payload here, if I recall, I should have I should have remembered, but I think the payload here was mainly just like, you know, a typical info stealer. And so it wasn't anything maybe too advanced, but still a concern. So I'm going to give this one a four um, just because it is very tricky. Um, and if they were using it to download something much more nefarious, it could have higher consequences there. But at this point in time, I think that um, from a defender standpoint, I'm going to give it a four because I don't think that I think that people need to like put this on their to do list <laughs> maybe for the week to to look into this and and as Graham mentioned, maybe put in a block for the the site that it's redirecting to. But I don't think it's necessarily something to like slam the alarm button and like run off yeah. into the burning fire. So. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think, Graham? I'd give it a little bit higher. I'm going to go up. I'll give it a five, uh, as they used to say in the 60s. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'll give it a five, I think. Um, the, the, uh, and I'm going to do that because I think this email was quite well constructed. And the fact that they were used, using an open relay via WebEx's website, rather than just going straight to a malicious domain, does sort of put it above the bar. Um, the fact that when you went through, I believe it was downloading something which purported to be the WebEx client and uh, you know, could have done all kinds of nasty stuff. I think compared to the typical email uh, ruse, which we might see, this is a little bit more sophisticated. So uh, I, I don't know that this one was particularly widespread, so I'm not going to put it any higher than a five, but certainly the potential is there for similar tricks to be used by other criminals, and we don't want that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting that such a sophisticated and detail-oriented attack, um, but that the executable didn't have the most nefarious, as I'm doing jazz fingers here, (laughs) Hmm. um, payload that you would come across. So I'd be curious. I wonder if more information will come out about this later, but yeah. And sometimes it's just a dry run, isn't it? Sometimes it's just a test to see see how well it works. Mm. Something worse might be around the corner. And it is is pretty um, tricky, but it's also immediately identifiable in that you're going to realize it wasn't real immediately. So that in that in that instance, right. it's not the most. It's not like something where you click on it and it is running in the background while the real thing is running. Like it doesn't do that. So there, in that sense, I could see why. Okay, me. okay, I'll make it a four and a half. I'll reduce it. Go on, convince me. I'm not trying to talk you down. I'm just saying I think that's why maybe like a super advanced attacker wouldn't immediately go this route because they're they might be trying to be more stealthy. And this is kind right. of it's stealthy right up until it's not. If that makes sense. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, wonderful. Well, thank you both for your input on on both of those discussions today. And I think. What's on everyone's mind is, what is Graham lying about? And we need to know. We have to get to the bottom of this, more importantly than maybe anything else. I and think so, so yeah. for now, Before sake- you guess, I just have to top up the hot water in my bath. Hang on. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Hmm, he's mentioned Slept two my tea. of the three. Has, hmm, yeah. But is he doing that on purpose? Hmm. Can you repeat for the sake of all of our memories? I think I your should. Your three statements. Yes. Yes. 
Statement number one. <laughs> I love nothing more than to have a bath, ideally accompanied by an orange bobbing around me and a hot cup of tea. Number two. At school, I invented a mechanism for pulling up the zip of my trousers automatically. <laughs> and number three. I kidnapped my school's Christmas tree and held it ransom. <laughs> Kelsey, I think you should guess first. This is tough because tough. I've listened to your podcast <laughs> n- enough to know. All of these seem plausible to They do. <laughs> That's what's tricky here, especially. <laughs> <laughs> your bath came up in the previous episode, so it's top of mind, if I'm remembering right. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with statement number three is the lie. That is my guess. Okay. The Christmas tree. The Christmas tree. All right. Interesting. (laughs) Man, I, um, as our listeners know by this point, am really terrible (laughs) at this game. (laughs) I, I, uh, yeah, I'm really bad. So I, however, don't want to guess as I always as I always say, I don't want to guess the same one that Kelsey guessed because I want to make sure we spread it out so at least one of us has... So we have two chances yeah, yeah, of being yeah. right. I like it. One. Very team-oriented. Team-oriented. Okay. Team. <laughs> I, I'm i going to go with number two. Number two with the trousers. The trousers. The zip mechanism. The automatic <laughs> zip mechanism. Yeah. Okay, well, very interesting. Well, tune in next week, listeners, no! to find out. The- <laughs> oh my gosh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. Well, uh, I have to tell you that, Emily, you were incorrect. Dang it, I always am. Uh, I did invent a mechanism involving a uh, shoelace, which was tied to one of the buttons on my shirt and the other end to the zip on my trousers. I had a pair of trousers where there's... I was a young boy. I was probably about 13 or 14. And I did have this dilemma whereby my zip on my trousers kept on falling down accidentally. And so I attached a shoelace. This is on the outside uh, to to my zip and to a button. So every time I stood up, my shirt would sort of pull up the zip on my trousers. So that that was a truth. Ingenious. Wow. Now, Kelsey, you thought that maybe I didn't kidnap my school's Christmas tree and hold it ransom. And you are also incorrect because oh I my did gosh. my school's Christmas tree. <gasps> it's the bath oh. with the bobbin orange. It was the bath and the hot cup of tea. I, 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 I mean, I do like a bath, but why would I have an orange bobbing around with me? I, you know what? I just kind of, kind of assumed that British people did that. I'm going to be real. Uh, I was playing I was playing to the stereotype. <laughs> you had me at the tea. I'm like, you know, the British don't joke about their tea. So clearly, number one is correct. People put weird things in the bath. They'll put like flowers and like potpourri, I feel like. And so I know, it's, like, it's, you all know, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. Shouldn't be allowed. Oh, my well, you uh, fooled us. You tricked wow. us. Tell us a story, though, about the kidnapped Christmas tree. Yeah, we have well, to know. At, at, in the sixth form at, uh, at, at school, I ran a, a small group of mercenaries. Uh, <laughs> low, well, it was very dull, you know, and so I decided I, my, my name was Yitchak Lumbago. We all had code <laughs> names and we would do various things. And uh, one uh, got up to all kinds of scrapes. But one of the things was in the run up to Christmas, there was a very large Christmas tree. And we thought, well, maybe it would be possible one day to break into the school before it officially opened, because they left a window open or something like that. (laughs) Take the Christmas tree, chuck it in the back of someone's car and leave a ransom note. I can't remember what our demands were now. It's probably um, better tea or something. (laughs) More oranges for the bath. (laughs) And we did hold it ransom for about a week and a half. And uh, eventually the ransom was paid and the tree was returned. And I did get into some trouble. But uh, <laughs> The school negotiated with criminals. So was this yes. your gateway into cybersecurity, like the I, physical I, I, ransomware? I've, I've, never, I've never written any malware or viruses or done anything like that. But um, yes, there were, there were a few scrapes in the computer. I mean, we, we, only, <laughs> we only had very elementary computer network at our school way back in the day. So it, it, there wasn't much opportunity to do anything too naughty. So I've, I've mostly got a clean nose. But yes, I did uh, kidnap the school Christmas tree. That is a wonderful story. Amazing. This has made my day. This is a great way to start our day. We it really is. Talk should... to you every morning. <laughs> I mean, I am wide awake right now after that story. So it's really good. <laughs> 
<laughs> Note to self, keep your trees away from Graham. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, it was, it was, you know, 30 odd years ago. So, you know, more than that, actually. So but, now it's going to be even more sophisticated yeah. is what I'm hearing. Now you have more experience. This is I trouble. Lord, Lord knows what kids get up to today. They must get <laughs> so much mischief, you know. Thank heavens I didn't have all that technology at my hand. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, Graham, we can't thank you enough for being on the podcast today. You yeah. really, you brought so much joy into our day and so Definitely. much laughter, which we really oh. appreciate. And great insights by you and Emily. It's oh, been you. so wonderful to talk to you both about all of the things. <laughs> the things. Well, thank you to both of you for inviting me. It's been good fun. And everybody, please be sure to tune in to Smashing Security, hosted by Graham Cluley and Carol Terrio. Every It's every Wednesday that comes out. It's the same day yes, as our podcast, uh, I think. American time, every Wednesday night. That's right. Okay. Every Wednesday night. It's it's a joy to listen to if you don't already know that, which I feel like pretty much everybody does. But <laughs> um, yes, definitely tune in. Check out his blog. Everything that those two do is fantastic. So thank you again. And um, hopefully we can talk you into being on this uh, podcast another time. And we just really, again, enjoyed spending time with you today. Sure, it'd be great. Thanks very much. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And see you next week. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>